heavy metal the way it was meant to be.
welcome back to Heavy Metal Mayhem's Sunday night show. We had a great metal matinee Thursday. It was United States of Metal Michigan. If you haven't checked it out, go ahead. It's up on the podcast right now. And we got a killer show for you tonight. Brian Tatler from Diamond Head is my guest. So stick around for that in about a half hour or so. But we're going to keep the music going from now until then. And we opened up today's show with Diamond Head, Am I Evil? And I tell you, there's a lot of people out there, especially young kids, uh, you know, they don't even realize that Diamond Head is a band that existed when they had My Evil. They think it's like just Metallica. You have like the two like you know uh, sides of that. There's the Diamond Head people that came through with Metallica, hearing the songs by them, and then the old folks like myself have been around since the beginning. So I'm looking forward to talking with Brian. That'll take place in about a half hour or so. We're going to keep the music going until then. I want to thank everybody for listening tonight. we got Canada Spaceman in the chat room. He's got a great magazine coming out in the next uh, few weeks, I think, next month. So keep your eye on the site. I'll keep you updated on that. And one of the show's sponsors, Carl from CarlsMetal.com, the best metal anywhere, especially if you're interested in anything New Jersey. Carl's the man to go and see. We played last week. Uh, Carl's uh, pick of the month was uh, Tension with uh, Death Sentence, and he saw them at the Defenders of the Old Festival in Baltimore. And uh, check out his website. I'll have a lot going on about that. And our favorite web mistress, Mr. Reese Miller, the British Steel Festival. We're going to have almost all the bands, Reese, that you have lined up for that festival on the show in February, so we're going to promote the crap out of it before it comes around in March. But right now, we're going to keep the music going here. How about some tank? Shell shock.
Gorilla, the old drummer from Excited, with his uh, first album under the Beale name, with Messages to the Dead. That album's kind of a mixed bag of nuts, in my opinion. I mean, I was looking so forward to it. Uh, I had the Beale demos, and we had Dan on uh, sometime last fall. He was a great guy to talk to, and we had a lot of fun with him. But uh, I don't know. Some of the stuff here is a little too modern for me, in my case. You know, I'm an old-school type of guy, so... Uh, like songs like this one we just played, Organized Mayhem. It's got a lot of that death growl in it and stuff. Uh, and they, none of the songs that were on the demo actually appear on the album, I don't think. Uh, maybe Kill the Witch, but I think that was an old Exciter song, in my, uh, something really old by Exciter. Uh, but I was really hoping for more of like that old classic Exciter feel, and uh, we just didn't get it with this record. It is a good album, but like I said, it kind of runs the gamut from the old classic Exciter sound to a lot of uh, which new one going on out there today. So, uh, but you know, you got to support these artists. So pick it up anyway. What, what can I tell you? All right, we got. Uh, I'm gonna wait for Ken Pierce to call in tonight to give us our concert count update. Uh, hopefully, we'll call him before we have the interview with Brian, and uh, we'll keep the music going until then. Maybe we'll do our uh, demolition segment demo next. So we'll do one more song, then we'll go into that. How about we start out with some Tokyo Blade, and then I'm gonna go right into our demo segment, and I'll talk a little about it when we get done. <laughs>
This week's demolition segment demo artist, the band is called Sanctus. 
Uh, they were kind of out during the new wave of British heavy metal, even though they were kind of a progressive band for uh, for that time, mixing with metal. You hear a lot of the Emerson Lake Palmer and Genesis uh, vibe going on there. They started out in 81. They were around for about two years, I think, at the most. By 83, they were already broken up. Uh, and that comes off their first demo, Thy Disciple. It's called A King for a King. And if you head over to the block spot right now, you can download a copy of that tape from 1982. Go get yourself one and enjoy it. It's not a bad sound for something that's that old, you know? It's amazing how some of these things held up over time, and some cassettes I have are completely deteriorating. But we're going to have an interview with Brian Tatlin in about 10 or 15 minutes or so. Before then, it's time to hit the streets with our man with the constant count updates, Mr. Ken Pierce of PiercingMetal.com. Kenny to this show is like, like he's like our Forrest Gump. And I don't mean that in a bad way, like, you know, he had uh, like mental problems, stuff like that. But Kenny was a traveler of time. He was around for every important thing that's ever happened in this world. Uh, it's like Forrest Gump. He was all over the place. He met all kinds of people. Kenny is the same way. Kenny was there that day when... JFK was shot. He was seen out in the grass, you know, the day before, selling copies of A Catcher in the Rye. Kenny would have been the first primate in the outer space back in 1961, but Ham the Chimp was able to pull that lever in less than five seconds, and Kenny couldn't do it when the blue light went on. And way back in 1935, on a drunken bender with Heimlich Himmler and Adolf Hitler, he uttered those famous words that set off the greatest atrocity to mankind, the Holocaust, by saying, I dare you. Mr. Ken Pierce of PiercingMetal.com. How are you, Kenny? Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening, my that friend? That last one was terrible. What, would he, what are you trying to do to me over here? <laughs> it's better than I was going to say. I kind of melted it down towards the end. <laughs> I'm starting to think you want these updates purely to have something to do. <laughs> That keeps me occupied. It makes I, me I think you'd make Tommy cry if you said some of that kind of stuff to him. Oh, man. So, wait a minute. You know, we, do, we do have a little bit of ugliness first. Uh, I got a letter from an angry listener in Sheboygan who was mad that he tuned in at 7 p.m. and did not hear the updates because he put me on early on. We don't want to get the attorneys all involved here again, So, but this time I'll let you slide. we got to keep these listeners happy and keep that segment at a particular time. We don't want an angry, angry I, I feedback. Understand the poor, that completely. The poor intern doesn't know how to handle these phone calls over at the uh, Blog Talk Radio Command Center. You know that, so we got to... I understand. I know. You know what it's like? <laughs> I usually have... You know, we've, we've had like two guests on every show for like almost the entire year of 2011. So we always had one on at 6.30 and the next one at 7.15, so we had enough time to talk and play music. But I've cut it back this year, like just one guest, because it's beginning to be overwhelming, you know, doing two live interviews every show. Oh, so I bet. times are changing and everything, and I don't want you sitting around waiting because I know how, what an important guy you are, and, you know. Oh, I'm only teasing you. You know that. And what a busy schedule you have, and, you know, I'm just looking out for your best interest. But uh, next week I will have you back on at your regular time at 7 o'clock, and damn the guest. If they're not ready in time, they're just going to have to wait. I don't want to be late and get put in the book, though. No, no, no. You know, I just real I played Tank before, and I, I think I might have put Tank in the book. I'm not sure. I, I don't know if I held it against him or the manager, so maybe I didn't, but you know, we all uh, make mistakes. Get the intern on the archives and see what they uh, find out I'm about gonna that. I'm going to have to have that So, you know, we, we had an interesting... Interesting. Last week, you were you were curious about that sanctuary show, and you had kind of predicted that you didn't expect too many people there. I know you couldn't make it at the last minute, which was unfortunate, but uh, you were right. There were not a ton of people at the show. Um, 
which was a little surprising because you had three local opener bands uh, performing, and you know each one of them has their own following of friends, uh, you know, in the region. So yeah. I was surprised. There, I, I I do not think there were more than 200 people there for Sanctuary the other night. Wow, yeah. kind of kind of disappointing for especially for a place like the Gramercy. Yeah, you know, but again, like you said, you know, you who who's really curious about this coming back? Who who really supported them in the first place back then? And, and are those people still you know interested in any of this uh, in any of this stuff? Now you know, before we go uh, into the whole updates, uh, you've heard the bad news about Tom, Tony Iommi being diagnosed with uh, early stages of lymphoma. This week, I, I I did read that last week, and and I saw the other day that uh, a band I'm sure you're going to mention coming in your updates, uh, right? Uh, yeah, I was going to uh, say that too. Still. Yeah, yeah, he's having uh, he's having a lot of problems, and uh, and it's unfortunate, you know. To, but as somebody else said, these guys are getting old, and illnesses and stuff that's plaguing them, you know, hits them harder because they're they're doing a lot more living than we are. You know, their road life is tough. You're not getting the, you're not getting the same kind of care, even if you're making money. So, uh, but let's uh, let's all let's all the listeners uh, please you know cross their fingers and send good energy to uh, both Tony Iommi and uh, Mr. Rial from Riot too, because uh, apparently Rial is in critical condition in the hospital. They said that was the last report I I saw. So yeah, I don't know yeah. I don't know I what that, that even means. I mean you know so the band is playing. So, but. Uh, Let's go on to the concert calendar updates. I don't have anything listed on my radar for this evening, uh, so people can just chill out, relax, enjoy the program, have a couple of beers, and then uh, uh, we'll see what happens with the football game, with uh, whether the Giants or the Packers win at the end of the day, and they can celebrate or complain. So I didn't see anything for Monday, but Tuesday begun, begins the fun with the mighty Biohazard is back in action. Uh, they've signed to Razor and Tie Entertainment, and they are back on the road doing a show over at the Gramercy Theater with uh, Wisdom and Chains as opener. This is Hell, Sworn Enemy, I Kill Ya, and Wrench. Now, that's a lot of uh, that's a that's an interesting mix because you got some hardcore bands in there and some kind of death metally groove metal bands in that bill it's gonna it's a it looks like it's gonna be a long show because there's there's like six six on the bill and uh so that will start early if you want to see any of the bands that are opening up to uh, give them a chance and fans should know that evan seinfeld is no longer in the group so if you're planning on just going to see biohazard to rock out with evan seinfeld he is not there anymore it's bobby hambell danny schuler and uh billy graziadi um, and I don't know who else might be in the band. That's on Tuesday. Wednesday night, two cool things going on is the band Ghost over at Bowery Ballroom. Uh, they have a couple of openers. They have uh, Blood Ceremony, I believe, is the is the opener for them. And I do not know the other group that's playing. I did not note it. That's an interesting band, Ghost. People are saying it's kind of like an old Merciful Fate with a... With a Black Sabbathy feel to it, you might want to look into them. I, I've heard a couple of tracks, and I, I don't really agree with the with the 
connection, but uh, they are interesting to see, and they're all, like, masked and cloaked and stuff. Mm. The same night on Wednesday is the Van Riot over at B.B. King Blues Club, and they will have Gothic Knights, who you had uh, the bass player for on the program a few weeks ago, and Arctic Flame. Uh, those are the two openers, and as we said, um, Mark Rial from the band, who's the guitar player, is uh, currently in the hospital, uh, and they've listed him as in critical condition on, uh, if you couldn't go by, what Brave Words is reporting. So uh, I, I'm... I'm, obviously, he's not going to be there at this show, and I, it does not look like he will make any of the dates on the tour. So that's a shame. Uh, nothing going on on Thursday, to my knowledge, but on Friday is a hardcore show with uh, Madball. Madball's apparently come back out of, uh, out of the ether, and uh, they are going to be supporting with Maximum Penalty, Dead End Pass, Suburban Scum, and King Nine. That should be an interesting show. I think I'm going to go check that one out myself just to give the hardcore fans who are reading Piercing Metal a little bit of attention and don't want to, don't want to slight them at all, you know. And then it's not too heavy a show, but the Smithereens are always, uh, have always been a, a band that I like in uh, like the rock sense. They're just so melodic and so, so just so interesting live. And they're playing over at BB King Blues Club, and that's going to be a pretty good show if you have um, the time and want to see something different on Saturday. And that's all I got this week. It's a pretty quiet, well, I can't say it's a quiet week. There's quite a few things going on. It's funny that two of the bigger bands or more well-known bands playing this week are both missing key members for one reason or another, right? Without Mark, I mean, because he's ill right now. And uh, Evan's not in Biohazard anymore. He's also not in Terry Patrick anymore either. They kind of got divorced too, I believe. So that's two things he's missing out on. That um. <laughs> I gotta get a drum and a cymbal over here. <laughs> gotta get it. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, he's here all week. Uh, <laughs> Try to feel. <laughs> well, uh, with Riot, is anybody uh, filling in for uh, Mark, or are they just going out with the uh, one guitar player? Uh, you know, I didn't read that. I didn't read anything. But you know, this speaking of switched out members, apparently, you know, Quiet Riot's also on tour, right? Uh, Quiet Riot, yeah. Right. What's his name? Mark Huff. Uh, he's out of the band. He's uh, out of the he, band too. Yeah, they have uh, the guy, he used to, I forgot who he sang with, um, something St. John, I forgot who he sang with, uh, was it Ted Nugent? No. I don't know, I don't know, so there's a lot of, so it just goes to show you, you know, these, the, if the, this is, this is a good, this is a good signal for, for the independent, unsigned bands that are listening to the show, just look at the problems the heavy hitters have, <laughs> Yeah. In the scene, you know, look at the heavy hitters and what they're doing. So if you if you think uh, if you think you have problems and these big guys are are having the same problems as you, you know, just uh, let that be your kind of like this ain't the, this ain't so bad. So but, that's uh, true. And you know, uh, I had Frankie on here about a year or so ago. Frankie now he's a great guy. I mean, oh I, yes. I love him. He's one of the best guys I ever spoke to. I've met him a few times, and uh, you know, but he swore like after Kevin DeBrow passed away that he would never. Do quite right again, but I think you know it's such a tough business today and, and such a tough scene out there. I guess even for like established artists who have a name to themselves, it's probably more difficult to start something new or, or to try to get their name out there. Or at least quite right is a brand name; people have heard it, people know it. And I guess in the end, it's probably easier to, to do that. And uh, I thought the guy Mark uh, Huff wasn't doing a bad job with the band. If you're going for like that nostalgia kick, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it, 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 he sounded great. He did the songs justice, in my opinion. I just think the way they kicked him out at the time was bad because he's actually was in the hospital going for brain major brain surgery, 
and and he, he was in the hospital. He read on the internet that he was out of the band. So Yikes. that's kind of like you know I I don't know the whole story, but I just think that it could have been handled a little better than that. At least wait for the guy to get out of surgery or something, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's a that's a weird one. That's a tough call. I can't even imagine uh, how uh, how that went down. But you know, again, you know, all of these guys have to make a living, and that's what we always hear. You know, um, it's it's not all it's not all uh, roses and uh, and candy at the at the end of the day. So, but that's what I got. I know you got a really cool interview with Brian Tatler coming up, so I'm gonna blast out of town here and remember folks you can find piercing metal over on facebook and over on twitter and we say follow us and like us over there so we can keep you up to date with the beat from the street and now it's time for you to cut the cheese hey that sounds good you're taking over my job now with the jokes here all right kenny thank you very much buddy bye bye we'll see you next week at at seven o'clock we'll go back to our regular broadcasting i'm gonna get the attorneys otherwise all right you got it Ken. i'll see you later bye bye got it buddy all right, Mr. Ken Pierce of PearsonMetal.com. Check out Kenny's site. Yeah, you, you you just love it. He's got reviews from everything that's going on in the New York City area and beyond. Concerts, CDs, uh, and he's a great photographer on top of it. I don't think he even gives himself enough credit for his photography, but check out his site. You'll really enjoy it. All right, how about we get on one more song, and it'll be about that time, and uh, we'll chat away with uh, Brian Tyler. Here's a band called Warhead, Dark Victor.
Hi, Brian, is that you? Yes, mate, it's Brian. Is that Mike? Hey, Brian, it's Mike. How you doing? I'm good, thank you. Uh, it's great to talk to you today. This is like a real pleasure for me because I've been a big fan of you guys going back to those early demo and single days in the late 70s. So yeah. it's a pleasure to have you on with me today. Thank you very much for inviting me to come on to your show. <laughs> uh, anytime, anytime. Okay. I, I love it. Uh, I have to tell you, like I said, I've been a big fan of you guys for a long time, and it just seems like 2011 has yeah. been a great year for you guys. I mean, oh, totally. the metal yeah, handle. I didn't expect yeah. it after all this time. Yeah, it's been uh, yeah, excellent. It's, yeah, it's great being recognized, and, and Diamond Head should be. I mean, one of the most influential bands in the scene. I mean, this year alone, the Metal Hammer God Awards. Yeah. You played Sonosphere with Metallica and Megadeth and Slayer, and you made it for your first U.S. tour in 35 years, uh, full tour. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? It's great. It's been a red-letter year for us, this uh, 2011. It's going to be hard to top this. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sure it'll give you guys a challenge for 2012. Yes, it is. We're working on it right now. <laughs> That's fantastic, man. I'm so excited because I, I know you did come to America some years back uh, when you played at the Metal Festival in New Jersey, but uh, there was that one-off show. So it was great that you were able to get here for the first time. And how did it feel getting to America and seeing different parts of it as, as Diamond Head? Oh, it was great to do an actual tour and, you know, like you say, see different parts like, you know, so many places I've never been to, like Seattle and, you know, Chicago and Las Vegas and all sorts of places. So it, it was it was a bit like a road trip as well. Not only did we get to play every night and, uh, you know, we also got to take in the sights. We went through the Rocky Mountains and uh, it was nice to have a look around New York and, uh, well, I mean, places like Baltimore. I, I, I really like Baltimore, but it's not the sort of place I'd ever think of going but yeah, uh, it's a lovely city, and uh, I I enjoyed it, and uh, I, I'm glad I've been. And uh, you know, we went to Detroit, and it, it, the list's endless. Kansas City, and uh, you know, places I've heard of, and uh, uh, to actually go there and meet people, and people coming up to me and saying, you know, I've been looking forward to seeing you for 20 years or something. Yeah. You know, I never thought you'd actually come. To the U.S. and tour like this, but uh, no, it's great. It made a lot of people very happy. I think it, it sure did, and, and I'm hoping that it can happen again soon. It's like this, you know, for people that haven't read your book, you wrote a great autobiography Thank a you. couple of years back called "Am I Evil?" and and you say plain and simple, it started in a bedroom with a biscuit tin drum set and a cheap fuzzy <laughs> guitar. Thirty five <laughs> years plus later, you're still going at it. It's, it's been a roller coaster ride, I'm sure. It doesn't sound all peaches and cream, but it's, it's, you're still doing it, and that's got to be impressive. Yeah, I mean, I just love, I love the band. It's something I created. It's the first band, you know, I ever created, and and I, I just, it was like a baby, really. You know, you you wanted to do well, you wanted to survive and go out into the world, and and uh, it, it's just something I've I've felt passionate about my whole life. I've, I've never really wanted to do anything else or, or give it up or, or retire or say enough's enough you know uh, and, and just each time something new comes our way like the opportunity the opportunity to do something like a tour or a festival usually we'll, we'll, we'll try and make it happen pull out the stops to make it happen rather than uh, you know look for reasons not to do it we'll look for reasons you know to do it we, we try and stay positive all the time about it yeah, you have to be in this world and in this business. Mm -hmm. And did you think, you know, you go back to the beginning, you 
kids, you're getting together, you're playing music. At that time, the music that you're writing really didn't exist. I mean, you know, Iron Maiden and uh, Sax and all those other bands were just starting out like you guys. And you had maybe, you know, had Judas Priest and Black Sabbath who were like kind of a different yeah. generation for us back then. Where did, the, where did the sound come from? I mean, where do you sit down and say, we're going to write something that we're influenced by, but yet we're also writing stuff that's kind of never been heard before? Um, well, I mean, we tried to be original. Uh, yes, you're right. We didn't know of bands like Iron Maiden and Saxon. And all those bands hadn't yet appeared when we started. Uh, or, even though they were out there doing their own thing, we, we just weren't aware of each other. What, what Diamond Head was listening to was, you know, all this classic 70s bands. Uh, raging from you know purple and sabbath and and you like you say judas priest and and i think i listen and and i try and find little bits of bands like i'd say i like the way they do that and and can't we do a, a beat like that and a riff like this and and you try and piece together your own ideas and uh Try and make it, you know. Not, I, I never wanted to just steal from from everybody. I just wanted to, uh, you know, you take it on board, and I think you reprocess it in your own head, and it comes out slightly differently anyway. And uh, just the combination of of different influences, and plus the four players in the band, all, all listening to slightly different things, and we did have quite an eclectic. Uh, uh, taste really because we like bands like Gentle Giant and uh, yeah. Genesis and Yes and you know Free and uh, all sorts of bands we'd, we'd be listening to I used to like you know Bebop Deluxe and things as well as the you know the obvious bands that we'd, we'd have been influenced by so I think I absorbed a lot of, of music when I was a kid including punk rock and uh, it all went in, in there somehow and came out uh you know, as quite an energetic, fast sort of uh, style of music. Uh, definitely, and like you know, like I said, the punk rock scene was real prominent and, and mm. over there in the late seventies. It was big and, in England, dominated yeah, England. Yeah, definitely. But you guys it was had almost that like, more intensity from the punk yeah, scene, it, but it, melody. Yeah, yeah, less less about melody, more about attitude, wasn't it? And energy and uh, smaller gigs with you know more act, active crowds you know instead of people sitting there clapping politely it would be yeah. craziness you know going berserk and i think we like that we like the idea of uh, making the audience uh, excited and uh, you know we used to try and do you know write fast songs and we, we soon realized that slow songs didn't really work for us and uh, we, copied, we played a couple of slow songs live and they they didn't go down very well so they would just get ejected out the set and uh, scrapped really we'd never use the song again we'd, we'd try and have a, a set that was pretty much all up tempo and and we could then play to people that we'd never met before didn't know any of our material and get them excited about the band yeah i can imagine that and back then because the scene was kind of new and just starting out was there really, you know, we look back at now, like all these memories, like how great it was, but was it like that when you're just starting out in a scene that's kind of like emerging for the first time and people are hearing this music and it's kind of all new to them? Well, um, I mean, before New Wave of British Heavy Metal, we were still there trying to, uh, you know, get noticed and do gigs. And, I mean, we probably just thought we'd follow in our, you know, influences footsteps like your Zeppelins and your Sabbaths and and all that but then when the new wave of british heavy metal 
was coined and, and appeared in Sounds magazine. Uh, and there was other young bands of our age getting noticed and uh, even record companies after them. We just thought, well, that's our perfect inroad to, to being signed, really. Uh, you know, the press taking notice of you uh, is kind of what we thought would be the answer to getting getting a record deal. The record deal was always, you know, the holy grail, the bandra seek, you know. That's that's true. And you had the first record comes out. You had the singles out, the four cuts. Mm-hmm. It, it defined the Diamond Head sound. 1983 comes out at Canterbury. Today I look back at that record as actually one of my one of my favorite Diamond Head albums. But it kind of threw the fans for a loop back then because. You brought the band in a different direction. You got more progressive, the songwriting, you know, it was maturing, I guess, at the time. And there's probably all the internal stuff going on in the band. Members maybe get on each other's nerves, mm-hmm. record companies, management. Did you see it falling apart in front of you back then? Or yeah. was that album, or was it something else? No, I mean, that was the difficult third album. I mean, it's a, it's a cliche. But uh, it did happen to us that we went in the studio kind of ill-prepared with new material, and uh, we we were trying to we probably tried to stretch ourselves too far, and we didn't probably realize the basic prob- problem was that if you're going to change, you need your audience to change with you, and if you haven't yet built a, up a big audience, they're just there's not enough of them to to come with you in if you like. Yeah. Uh, so we've got a sort of small audience, a core following. And then by changing dramatically from what they liked about the band, we put a lot of them off, I think, and they and also probably didn't find the new fans. Uh, we just pretty much alienated the old fans, I think. So, but all, I think what Diamond were trying to do was was just be original and not want to repeat ourselves and and uh, just write what we felt, what what felt natural. You know, we it wasn't contrived. We didn't think. Let's just write another song a bit like Am I Evil because that's what people want. Yeah. You know, that never ever ha- entered our head. Uh, but, you know, we thought it was okay to experiment and, and try different things. And uh, ultimately, it didn't really work. And then, you know, the band fell apart and the record company dropped dropped us. And we, we couldn't get another record deal after that. And so it all, it all imploded, really. So, yeah. Who knows? Yeah, you you can't look back on the past like that, I guess. But one thing about Diamond is that you've kind of never repeated yourself with any album. Mm-hmm. You've always taken the band one step further into a different direction. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. if you go after Canter, Death and Progress, all will be revealed. Uh, watching every album, it's Diamond yeah. Head, but you've never kind of like relied on what you did in the past. You've always moved the band along and into a new direction. And I think today it's a lot easier than back then because... Metalheads are very fickle fans. Like they don't like to see the bands changing, but as a musician and an artist, you have to because it's the only way, I guess, to stay relevant. Mm. Yeah, that's what I most like to do. You know, I like to listen to, you know, new things and be influenced by new things and try new things rather than just. I, I, I maybe we also never hit a successful formula as well. You know, I, but some bands have a sound and a formula. Uh, I don't think we quite hit that stream, and uh, you know we didn't have the money coming in, and it, it didn't appear obvious. Oh well, that's obviously where the 
the hit is because I mean we couldn't even get a record deal with our first album, which of course had Lightning um, Am I Evil on it. So if if no one could see the potential in that, you know, we, we would look inwards and we would think, okay, well we better try something else. And then I think we kept doing that to try and almost to try and find a successful stream really that would shoot us to number one. <laughs> and then yeah, we we didn't we didn't find it. You know, I I don't want to give away, I don't want to give away too much of your book because I know it had sold out, which has got to be a great feeling. Is, yeah. is it still available if people want to buy it today? No, I'm afraid not. It's all sold out. Oh, they're gonna have to go on eBay and uh, look in yeah. those uh, shops to find it. Yeah, but, there's a couple. Of, I've seen one on eBay for like twenty dollars or something. So somebody might be able to track one down if they try hard enough. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, maybe they can put more of them out because it really is a great book and it tells your whole story. And you yeah. write down about those days, like how, you know, you were, like, getting ill over the whole thing, and Sean was, like, having a breakdown over everything mm-hmm. that was going on. And people don't realize the pressure, I guess, that goes on behind the scenes of trying to maintain the band and keep it keep it going. That's, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it did. It affected our, you know, probably psychologically and health-wise, all, all kinds of problems gone behind. But I suppose, you know, people don't want to see that necessarily. They uh, they just want the band to turn up on stage and put on a good show. So a lot of the a lot of the problems get hidden from from the, the public, don't they? Uh, but I thought I thought, you know, I'm gonna put everything into the book that I can remember that's that's remotely interesting and uh, you know, tell the truth, be honest and and uh, no no one can say, well you know, it's, at least it's not true. It's it's the way it is. It's we. I think we've done well to uh, even even survive. You know, to still be yeah. going when so many new wave British heavy metal bands failed miserably and seemed to just go back to their day jobs at the first hurdle. You know, whereas Diamond Head just keep chipping away and you know even though we've split up and we've got back together and you know it's still going now. And like you say, we we're still touring so. Something in me just makes makes me want to keep it going. I think. Yeah, that's a great thing. And like I said, you, you broke up in the mid '80s when when the scene really exploded, and you guys were out of it for a while. You came back in the '90s when heavy metal was kind of like on the way down. People were getting into different things, but you, you, you came out with Death and Progress at that time, and mm-hmm. you've had Dave Mustaine on the record, Tony Iommi, some great yeah. songwriting. Uh, yeah. Do you feel how do you feel about that record when you look back at it today? Because it kind of hit the scene when the scene was struggling for everybody. Even the major major acts were having trouble at that time. Yeah, um, it, I like I still like the record. I'm proud of it. But um, again, I mean, if you've read the book, you could see that there was a few problems. Uh, yeah, and it was it was meant to come out on a major label, East West Records, and then. In the end, they didn't want to release it, and they didn't want to sign the band, so it came out on an indie label called, called Castle Communications. And uh, I don't think we even re- repaid the studio costs, you know, with with the deal we got. So there was no money for for anybody. It was all pretty much two or three years' work for just to pay for about half the cost of recording the album. Uh, yeah. And, it, and it, was, it was a tough time, and again, the band seemed to fall apart not long after it came out. So that's life. Say la vie. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, you know, you, you it seems like you and Sean kind of had like a love hate relationship, I guess, musically uh, yeah. over the years, trying to get get it on and get it off again. And uh, I but think for the we, last, both like, have, 
we both appreciate each other and we both appreciate that that what the other does and what the other brings to the table and how well we work together. But then you've got the problem of actually working together and agreeing to do yeah. this, this and this. And and that's where it starts getting difficult. And I've bent over backwards and spent the biggest part of my life trying to work with Sean to the point where, in the end, I had to say, I can't do it anymore, I, I give up, I'll let someone else have a go, you know. Because, you know, yeah. no doubting his talent, but... I just couldn't be his, you know, second fiddle any longer. I couldn't, I couldn't work with him anymore. Exactly. I don't. Well, you know what? You have Nick Tart in the band, who I think does a phenomenal job. Oh, totally, totally, um, he, fantastic. He, he keeps the old school songs, you know, traditional the way they should be, and he's added such a great touch to all the newer music that you've put out since he's been in the yeah. band for the last almost ten years now. I think. That's right. Yeah, he's been a, a big, big part of the, the you know, the new rebirth of diamond head and uh he's a really nice guy and you can you can work with him you know you can get him to do things he, he <laughs> he's not i'm not doing that you know and i'm yeah. doing this <laughs> I, I i know exactly what you're saying yeah. the, the band's been pretty solid you know since the 90s pretty much with yeah. uh with eddie and carl yeah. And the band, and, and you've just well, recently, been uh, in the, like you say, Carl's been in yeah. the band twenty years now, much yeah. longer than the original guys, Duncan and Colin. And yet, people still kind of would love to see that lineup, but almost disregarding the fact that Carl's been working his arse off in Diamond Head for twenty years. Yeah, uh, so it's amazing um, people, the way people still think about this band. Yeah. It's true, but you, you did you play with Carl in another in a Radio Moscow? You and Carl played together. Yeah, I don't. We did a gig, but uh, I was putting the album together at the studio, and I used to I used to use Carl to to put down drum tracks, and then okay. when Carl moved to New York and joined Drummers Collective around the late eighties, eighty eight, something like that, eighty nine, I ended up having to get another drummer to to when I started gigging with Radio Moscow, but. Uh, because I knew Carl and knew how good he was, when he came back to England, uh, I um, I obviously introduced him to Sean, and we, we, he was our first choice for the drummer in the reformed Diamond Head, you know, which came yeah. about in 1991. Yeah, and like you said, you, your members are kind of spread out now. Uh, but back in the early days, you know, all the members of the band had to be together in a room to write, record on a tape recorder. Today, it's, you can be in all different parts of the world or the country, and, you can. and still be able to put it together because of the technology. How do you, uh, how do you feel about like the way we, the music business is today, as far as like the recording end of it goes with Pro Tools and the internet compared to the old days with you know the reel-to-reel MPEG tapes? I think I prefer it how it is now that you can do it yourself and use, like you say, Pro Tools. And the beauty of Pro Tools is editing as well. It's cheaper and it's ed- you can edit and change songs right up into the mix, you know, whereas you couldn't before. If you, if you suddenly had a new, a new idea, you had to virtually re-record the whole track. But you can edit and chop and add and, you know, time compress even. But um, the, the one big problem with it is you've got to have the sort of brain to be able to work the equipment. So if, if you've got different members of the band here in different parts of the world, they've still got to have the brain to work out how the hell... You you work Pro Tools and now you send files and receive files and and all that business. So you know not everybody can do that. And I, I mean I find it hard, and uh, I know Nick finds it hard. So uh, 
it is good as long as everybody is up to speed, really, and 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 have got that kind of brain. Yeah, uh, like you know, like you were saying earlier, the goal is always to get that record deal, to get signed to a major label, to have that backing, and you know, the promoting that you can get from them. It seems like you know today everything's kind of gone full circle back to the early days of of our music where. Fans are doing it on their own again, releasing mm-hmm. their own records because it's just kind of impossible to get a deal for, for most bands today. Uh, yeah. How does that affect the band? Do you realize today that it's a different business than it was when you started out? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, you don't you don't even bother trying to get a deal, do you? Nowadays, you 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 pretty much do your own thing, like you say, get, do your own product, and uh, and I mean, you still need the press, and you need agents and management, and. You need certain things, but I mean, the, the goal is probably still get yourself on the label, and so that the label can put money into promotion and and tour support and things like that. But you, you've got to be prepared to do most of the work yourself, and you may never get to the point of being signed by a major, but you could still possibly have a career in music by just managing the finances and and providing something that people want and building up a you know a following that will you know keep you keep you going without you know not, don't overspend you know do it sure. on the cheap in places you know, def- it, definitely yeah. the days of spending 100,000 quid making your album have gone haven't they yeah, they sure have. <laughs> Everything's on a budget today, you know, especially yeah. in the economy well, that we Well, the are. most the cheapest album Diamond Head ever made was the last album the, the what's in your head album which is ironic isn't it really considering yeah. it's 25 years later than or more than that than the first album yet yet this one's the cheapest because we're able to do it ourselves on pro tools <laughs> yeah it's, but it's true it's like you said the technology that's available today and the fact that you know everybody can kind of afford it and, and get it and do it on their own it, it does save the bands a lot of money in it, and you're able to put out the product Without yeah. that major expense, and that's a, a plus, you know, in the world that we live in today. Yeah, and and if if it's good enough and you work hard enough, you know, playing live and getting the gigs, I think people will take notice of you eventually. You know, if, if yeah, definitely put the work in. Yeah, it seems today the the money does come from the live shows, the merchandising, mm-hmm. uh, more than anything else, and, and that's an important part, I guess, of. Uh, you know, the music it's real as well, music. isn't it, that way? It's, it's yeah. back down to the real street level, you know, kids doing it for themselves, rather than just glossy, you know, ram it down people's throats with massive advertisement. True. It's back to uh, reality. Definitely. Good. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, Brian, like, um, it's like every musician, I think every band and every fan of hard rock and heavy metal will quote and say Diamond Head as probably one of the biggest influences on them and on the scene. Unfortunately, influence doesn't always translate into major success or, or big no. money. When did you realize that Diamond has had such an impact on the newer bands that were coming out? Um, I don't know. You mean, well, you're not talking about Metallica anymore. Well, it, well I, I think everybody in the world knows Metallica was probably the biggest Diamond Head fans yeah. out there. And, and it seems like the fans fall into two categories, pre-Metallica and, and post-Metallica. Mm. And I knew about you guys before Metallica, and a lot of fans said, you know, am I evil? Who the hell is that? When did they write? And like, oh, it's Diamond, it's not Metallica. Yeah. And and they've come across, you know, coming to you guys just from hearing you, your music from Metallica yeah. playing it. Yes, yeah, so we, we, we have made a lot of fans 
obviously through Metallica and through people listening to their versions of our songs and then them wanting to, you know, hear the originals and, and things like that. Uh, so it has been, you know, very, you know, Metallica has been a big part of the resurgence of Diamond Head and the fact that we can still survive, I think. But, um, it is. It's nice to be influential, isn't it? It's very flattering. Uh, yeah. I, I I don't know, you know, where we'd be without it. Really, <laughs> I, I think it's probably one of the main things about the band is is the uh, the fact that it's an influential band. Uh, definitely, without a doubt. And I was just catching some videos on the internet the other day where uh, you and Sean had gotten together with Metallica at their thirtieth anniversary show. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and that it was great seeing the two of you up on stage again and yeah. playing with all the guys. It looked great. I mean, that that was a fantastic thing. Yeah, I enjoyed that, and I know Sean did too. Yeah, I mean that hasn't happened for a long time. But you couldn't really say now, could you? Really, when Lars calls you and say, "Would you like to fly to San Francisco and do four Diamond Head songs with Metallica?" You can't really say now, nah, more I think, can you? It was fantastic <laughs> to be to be offered. Uh, and to be asked and to be part of that that whole 30th anniversary uh, week uh, of shows. Uh, so it, it was just great to uh, go over and, and uh, you know, we got to go to HQ, which, which I've never been to, Metallica HQ, and we rehearsed yeah. with them and it sounded fantastic and did the gig and, uh, you know, so, you know, dream come true, really. I've, uh, I thought it was amazing and, and I, I know Sean did too, so... I uh, I loved it. It was great, and uh, you know everybody should go on the internet and check those clips out. And we talk how you know 2011 is pretty much over now. Uh, 2012 is coming up. What does the band have planned? Uh, it's been about four or five years since your last record. Uh, is anything this year you think in the works for a new album, or is it really not that important right now? Well, you know what you mentioned earlier about doing it on Pro Tools individually. We, we're kind of working on that at the moment. We. Everybody's sort of got Pro Tools except the, the bass player, and uh, we we try and see if we can uh, put together music that way. So w we might just do one track first, and then release that as a download on the website, uh, and then just see see how that goes. But uh, we, we're working on more gigs at the moment, like festivals and things for the for the summer. So. It's all up in the air at the minute. We've had a few offers, and we're trying to see which ones come through. But we're definitely going to be doing more in 2012. We're not over by long chalk yet. Oh, that's excellent. And Brian, I'm not going to keep you much longer. I appreciate you taking the time out to talk to me today. Uh, I'm a big fan, and I can't wait to see you guys come here to America again. I hope it's in 2012. Yeah, let's hope so. That sounds great. Brian, thank you very much, Brian. I really do appreciate this, and you have okay, a happy Mike. new year. Okay, happy new year to you. Speak to you, you too, soon. Thank Cheers, you very bye. much. Take care. Thank you. Bye.
definitely one of my all-time favorite Diamond Head songs, The Prince, and I want to thank Brian Tatler for calling and talking to me today. That was a very expensive phone call, I'm sure. <laughs> but I want to thank Brian. And you know what? January is just getting started. We had Patty Carlson from the band Fretless on last week, a new band out of Sweden. Brian was on tonight. Next week, don't forget to tune in at 6 o'clock. My guest is Jeff Duncan from Armin Saint and Odin, and he's got a new band called DC4 going right now, so I'm looking forward to talking to Jeff. And we're going to close out the month of January. I'm digging up an oldie but a goodie. I got Nasty Ronnie from Nasty Savage calling, and so I'm have a good time talking with Ronnie. Uh, when I was, uh, I want to say, I was 15 years old, I think it was 1983, I interviewed Ronnie over the phone uh, when I was a kid for a, a magazine my friend was writing called Metal Madness. Uh, I did like a 20-minute interview with them on the phone. I was like thrilled. Uh, they just recorded the Wage of Mayhem demo, I think, back then. And we were talking about that. And he was into wrestling. And, you know, Ronnie had that image. And he still does, like, on stage. He's like a maniac with the blood dripping off his face, smashing TVs. But he couldn't be one of the nicest guys to talk to. So after almost 25 years, I'm going to get to talk to him again. So that'll be the last Sunday of the month, which is the 29th. we got Nasty Ronnie on. So... Looking pretty good for January, and uh, February is going to be like the new wave of a British Heavy Metal Month. We're going to have Weapon On, Gaskin, uh, Gunslinger, uh, Elixir, a whole bunch of great bands, and we're going to be promoting the British Steel Festival that's coming up this March. So keep tuning in. And this Thursday on the Metal Matinee at 1 o'clock, it's Instrumentals, uh, our show of all instrumental heavy metal songs. So looking forward to that. I won't have to do too much talking. Okay, well, how about, you know what, since we're playing, uh, you know, Wave of British Heavy Metal, we're talking about it. Our guest was uh, from the scene tonight. We'll keep some of that music going here. Um, at least from, uh, from London, anyway, in England, not so much the new Wave of British Heavy Metal era. Uh, I'm babbling on now. A little fast way for you. All I need to do Let's go. 
so you better get his shit together. I know he's trying to form, like, his version of Great White right now, and there's going to be two of them going around out there, like, uh, with the L.A. guns. And uh, if there's any lesson they should learn, it's not working for L.A. guns, so not a good idea. But we'll see what happens with that. Uh, I'm sure Kenny Pierce will have more on that as uh, things come around with those guys. I think they have a couple of shows coming up in New York, uh, I believe, uh, this spring, so we'll hear about it back then. But let me see what I can dig up for Reese right now. Hey, Reese, how about Trespass one of these days?
Okay, Raven and Lambs to the Slaughter. Great band, great song. I forgot to ask Kenny when I had Kenny on before, if he had heard anything, because a good friend of ours in the show, Sal Italiano, who was uh, Sal Main back in the 80s, he was a bass player for Cities. Uh, he just joined Anvil uh, last week as the new bass player. And uh, we weren't supposed to say anything until they made the official announcement, which was last week, and it was May, but yet I see nothing on Anvil's website anywhere stating that Glenn Five is out of the band, that Sal's in the band. Sal's definitely playing with them, and uh, I think they're at Ollie's Point, which is out in Long Island. I believe the 20-something. I have to take a look at that. I'm sure Kenny will mention it uh, next week in that uh, calendar update, and then they're going all over the place after that. But uh, I don't see anything anywhere even announced that Sal's the bass player. It's, it's very surprising. I also noticed that on Facebook, uh, I was friends with Rob and Lips on there, and now uh, and on the webpage, and now... I'm not friends with them anymore, and it seems like something went on, and they just, like, deleted their names of the accounts, and they started over again, and I don't know what's happening with those guys. I'm I'm kind of curious, and I'm wondering when they got to announce Sal as their bass player. It's, you know, kind of big news, and I want, you know, I wonder what Glenn Five is up to these days himself, so it'll be interesting to know in here. I was going to play some Anvil, but I did play them last week, and I don't like playing the same bands uh, week after week, uh, but... You know what? Since we were talking about uh, playing old British bands and uh, Tony Naomi being sick and all, and uh, they caught that pretty early. And, you know, I've had cancer myself. I know when they catch it at that stage, it's kind of uh, curable. So how about we do some Black Sabbath for you?
All right, that was Dr. Butcher. You know, John Oliva is uh, going to be doing a couple of festivals, I believe in June and July. And it's the 25th anniversary of uh, Sabotage's Hall of the Mountain King, and they're going to be performing the album in its entirety uh, during both of those shows. And I think they have a warm-up show coming up uh, in Florida, probably right before then, where they'll do it. And uh, I know they're going to be featuring a lot of songs off the Dr. Butcher record, because I believe uh, it's some sort of anniversary for that record, too. That was a band that he formed with Chris Cafferty, uh when they both kind of weren't doing anything with Sabotage at the day. Um, I know they were talking about them on uh, Blabbermouth. They were talking about Paul O'Neill. To me, I feel like Paul O'Neill was kind of like the like the, like the death knell for Sabotage. You know, he did the Sabotage what Mutt Lang did to uh, ACDC and Def Leppard and uh, Bob Rock did to Metallica. I, I know, you know, he made him more successful like commercially, and it kind of led into the TSO thing, which is like a massive moneymaker for those guys. But, you know, as far as the metalheads go, I think people like that, they just kind of kill the dream for like, fans that really love the music that the bands are putting out. All right, we got five minutes left in the show. I want to thank everybody for listening today. I want to thank my uh, man on the streets, my correspondent of chaos, Mr. Ken Pierce from PiercingMetal.com. Looking forward to talking to Kenny next week with his constant calendar update. And my buddy Carl from CallsMetal.com. The links are right up here on the homepage at the Block Talk Radio Show. Check out all of their websites. There's a lot of great stuff going on there. All right, let me see what I can do for you now. we got about four and a half minutes left. How about we do Snow? It was a band that featured a Tony and Carlos Cavazzo back in the 70s. Uh, I know they're back together today playing. Who's in the band is beyond me. I know Carlos was in rap for a while. Uh, that kind of fell apart, so I don't know if they're doing anything with that. I'm sure Tony's still in the band. Here's a song called Crack the Whip. Thank you, everybody, for listening today. I want to thank my guest, Brian Tatler from Diamond Head. I'll see you this Thursday at 1 o'clock. For the Metal Matinee's instrumental, and next Sunday night at 6 o'clock with Jeff Duncan from Armist Saint and Odin. Good night, everybody. Take care.